Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Healthy Living Interview Series on radio and podcast. The show covering all things health, wellness, culture, and more. The show for all of us who aren't old, we're better. Each week, we'll interview superstars, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all related to this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Now, here's your host, the award-winning Paul Vogelzang. Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Health and Wellness Interview Series. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And again, I want to greet our audience, but I certainly want to greet those readers of Prevention Magazine. This is our second episode in our Editor-in-Chief series. And today, we're tackling some of the most pressing health topics that are crucial for our audience, those adults over 60 who are committed to living their best lives. Let's get right into it. We have another packed show. First up is our monthly conversation with Editor-in-Chief Sarah Smith, and we're discussing natural remedies for arthritis pain, a topic featured in Prevention Magazine's upcoming November issue. Among our topics today with Sarah, we're going to talk about which natural remedies are showing the most promise. For those in our audience who may be skeptical about trying natural remedies, What advice is offered in this month's edition of Prevention Magazine? And what about the TENS device, often known as the TENS unit, from arthritis to how we approach the cold and flu season? We're going to talk to Sarah Smith about which myths about cold and flu season are debunked in the November issue. How do these myths specifically impact our older population and To stay healthy during the cold and flu season, what preventive measures does Sarah recommend for our audience? We next will introduce Emily Goldman to the Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Health and Wellness Interview Series. Emily Goldman is the deputy editor at Prevention. She spent her career editing and writing about health, wellness, beauty, fashion, and food for Martha Stewart Living, Martha Stewart Weddings, Bridal Guide, Good Housekeeping, and much, much more. She has always loved all things health and wellness since starting her bi-weekly podcast, Pancreas Pals, a series about how the highs and lows of living life with type 1 diabetes. Emily Goldman and I will discuss her cover story, Is Diabetes Reversible? Emily will share her personal experience with type 1 diabetes and how that experience shaped the narrative of her story this month. We'll also discuss the latest scientific findings regarding the reversibility of diabetes, especially for older adults, and how lifestyle changes contribute to managing or even reversing diabetes. We'll speak with Emily Goldman in just a moment, but up first is our conversation with Prevention Magazine Editor-in-Chief Sarah Smith. Sarah Smith, it's good to talk to you again. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Paul. Great to be back. Yeah, you know, we had such a great previous conversation about Prevention Magazine. I've got, I have to tell you, I've got the cover of the magazine for November up in front of me on my screen, on my computer screen. It's another beautiful cover. Congrats. Great job. I always love your artwork. So we're going to talk about November's issue. But yeah, that's just such a great cover. And I will leave it to our audience's imagination. They'll have to get the issue, pick it up and look at it for themselves. But it is a good one. <laughs> it's a juicy one. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's <laughs> great. I mean An excellent it. tip. Excellent tip. Good. Lots of great articles about wellness and science and health and food. So many wonderful subjects. We're going to talk about a couple of those stories that I kind of picked out and um, I think will be of real interest to our audience. Let's start with 
this article about arthritis pain. I think that's a really good one for everybody to kind of think about, especially, you know, some of the natural remedies that are kind of going to be featured in the November issue. Tell us a little bit about that article and maybe some of those natural remedies. You know, there are 58 million people in this country who deal with arthritis. So you're right. It kind of is for mm-hmm. most of us, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's regular or, you know, flares up. I think a lot of people just need some relief. Right. Yep. And prevention has this long history of natural remedies. You know, part of our DNA is to talk about food as medicine and steps you can take to, you know, heal yourself. But now in 2023, we work really hard, of course, to make sure that the things we're putting in the magazine are very uh, science-backed, that we talk to MDs. And, and, and I mean, prevention's been that way a long time. Maybe in the very early days, there was a lot of speculation. But today, I can tell you that these, these natural remedies are, are things that doctors have really seen work or that there's some research on. So um, the ones that we are highlighting in this issue. One of them, for instance, is turmeric, the spice. Um, So again, you know, food, food as medicine, but Mm -hmm. in this case, Mm -hmm. it it also has this long history, uh, much much longer than prevention, uh, Mm -hmm. which is 70 plus years old. Turmeric has been a healer for centuries, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But it's, uh, so the curcumin is, um, is what's in turmeric. And that is what has anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. Mm. And that's what can reduce the pain and swelling of inflammation. I think this, this article is really going to be great. What, what would you say to those people that might be skeptical? You know, many in our ob- audience are familiar with going to talk to their physician. They might have a healthy degree of skepticism about, you know, certain things. And this might be one of those subjects that, especially the national, uh, excuse me, the natural remedies portion of this. What advice can you give us? Well, first, I would say keep that healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is smart that if you hear about a natural remedy to ask yourself, is this really a thing or is this someone just trying to sell me something? I, so I absolutely would never disabuse someone of having that initial reaction. Um, but the things that we recommend in prevention, the turmeric, um, paraffin wax, we can talk, you know, the diff- different remedies. These are all things that are not going to hurt you if you try them. You know, so ask yourself that too. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the side effect? What's the negative is there cost anything? You know, those kinds of questions. And always definitely talk to your doctor because I think that some of these, you know, quote, natural remedies are actually um, very common and a doctor might not first think of them, mm-hmm. but they might say, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. That's safe. Give that a try because they might, it might work for you. If it doesn't work for you. You can try something else. One of the things that I see a fair bit of these days, what it's referred to as a TENS unit. And I think it's it's an amazing device. It really is kind of a muscle stimulator, but I'll, I'll let you describe it a bit because that's referenced in the article. And I think it's something important for our audience to understand and know about. Right. So we categorize this under natural remedy, even though it's a device because mm-hmm. it's not uh, a pill or a medicine or a prescription. Um, but it, it, it's a, a device that generates an electric current that can block the pain signals that you're getting from your arthritis. Um, so you, you can ha- use these at home, but not everyone responds super well to the, um, the, to, to that 
feeling of the electric current. So it's something you might want to try first with a physical therapist or with a doctor. But if you, if you like that feeling, which I've tried use this for, um, uh, tennis elbow, which mm-hmm. I got from swimming, but, <laughs> uh, and, and I, I like the way it feels. So, mm-hmm. right. It just depends on what you like. Um, but then if, if it works for you, then you can have a device that you use at home and you control yourself. And that's, you know, a, a non-invasive treatment that can really help. Yeah, my wife is a dancer and a dance teacher, and she uses these TENS units, these muscle stimulators that just give a – it's a kind of a, a mild electrical, you know, sensation and stimulation. Yeah. It really seems to work for her. And so tennis elbow from swimming makes sense too. <laughs> <laughs> right. You put these, like, pads on the spot, you know, these electrode pads. It feels kind of, you know, medical, but it's uh, – and then it just feels really – and that feels really great in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I've used it too. It, well, this is a good range of, of advice and information for our audience about arthritis pain. Let's move from arthritis pain to one of the other articles that certainly is on my mind, and that's you know colds, flu, flu shots, all mm-hmm. of this that we're hearing about right now. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about some of the common myths about colds and flu that we're going to start to really see a lot of, and in particular, plays up nicely in the November issue. Yeah, it really is that time of year where everyone is worried about getting sick and talking about the flu and vaccines. And I think there's a really prevalent myth that the flu vaccine can give you the flu, or at the very least, you know, make you feel terrible, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think we dig into that in this issue, the fact that the reason it won't give you the flu, first of all, that that is actually a myth. The flu vaccine is not going to give you the actual flu virus because um, they're inactive viruses that are in the shot, so it's no longer infectious. But the nasal spray does have a live virus, but they're very, very weakened and can only replicate in your nose not in your lungs, which is where it would cause the actual flu. So it's not going to give you the flu. However, it is not a myth that you might feel kind of lousy after you get it. And I think that turns a lot of people off from getting the flu shot. Um, But what is happening there is side effects from the immune response that your body is, uh, is, is, is giving you in order to build that immunity that you want. So, so it, it's, it might, you might feel a little sniffly, a little run down right after it's your body working to protect you later from, if you've ever had the flu, a really, really horrible experience. <laughs> Definitely. And also dangerous. I mean, I have to be responsible. To, I mean, a lot of people, and this is actually another myth that people think, well, I'm pretty healthy, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't need the flu shot. And, and that's great if you're a generally healthy person, but that actually doesn't mean that the flu can't lay you out and uh, it can really take over your life. Even if you're a healthy person, it can still be dangerous because we don't know exactly what the flu is going to look like this year. Uh, and the flu shot can help you help keep you up and about as well as help keep you safe. Um, but, you know, and of course the other piece of this is even if you are a healthy person, um, who thinks, oh, it won't be that bad. I mean, it really still can be bad. But also part of the point of the flu shot is to protect other people. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's herd immunity. And mm-hmm. I think I still think that's an important, you know, this public health 
fact issue part of um, flu shots. It's still an important issue. One of the things that I love so much about Prevention Magazine, you know, in addition to its size, because it's absolutely such a convenient size to take along with me pretty much anywhere I go, but I love the tips and I love the preventive measures that you offer in this article. I wonder if you'll share a couple of those. In addition to, you know, vitamin C, in addition to orange juice, what else should we be paying attention to and that you can recommend to our audience that are going to act as preventive measures? You know, things that things like exercise, stress management, and good sleep, again, I mean, these are the pillars of living a healthy life, and they are ever more important as we get into the cold and flu season. Mm -hmm. Those are actually the things that protect you against all the viruses swirling around out there, because that's what keeps your immune system robust, is, is getting that sleep. So instead of running to the store, being around, you know, 50 people and getting the vitamin C pills, go to bed early and try to, hmm. you know, relax, find, find ways to reduce your stress, whether that's, you know, meditation, talking to a friend, whatever, whatever that sort of takes form that takes in your life that actually physically improves your immunity. All good. Sarah Smith, Editor-in-Chief at Prevention Magazine. So nice to talk with you. We're going to talk in just a moment with Emily Goldman, who has written this fantastic article, Is Diabetes Reversible? I thought you might just lead us out and maybe lead us in to our interview with Emily, because I think that's a it's a timely article. It's got a very provocative title, and I think it's worth paying attention to. It's really interesting. One of the things Emily discovered was that a better term is to talk about diabetes going into remission mm -hmm. rather than reversing okay. because what we're really aiming for is managing those symptoms. Right. And I think that that is something she knows a lot about and has learned a lot about in her reporting, but also in her personal life, which I'm sure you'll talk to her about. Yep. We have a great conversation coming up with Emily Goldman. The title of her article is, Is diabetes reversible. We've just had such a great conversation with you, Sarah Smith. Thanks uh, again. Another month. Uh, November's coming up and uh, lots of good stuff to check out in Prevention Magazine. But it's always so fun to talk with you. Have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you next month. Thanks, Paul. I look forward to it. Me too. Emily Goldman, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you, of course, as deputy editor of Prevention Magazine. You've got this uh, wonderful work that, that you do with regard to health, and that's, of course, very important to our audience. We're going to talk about uh, diabetes, and you have a very personal connection to this subject. So I, I wonder if you'll talk about it with us a little bit. You, 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 in my research of you, you do seem to be very open uh, about your journey, but I wondered if you'll tell us a little bit about how your own personal experience with diabetes has, uh, has influenced your approach to, to this month's story. Of course. So I was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes almost 10 years ago, which is 
pretty late for um, for someone. I was diagnosed as an adult, so I was 20 at the time. And I have really kind of, I always say I, you don't really, you know, stumble into diabetes of any kind. You really kind of dive in head first. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with educating yourself and through the help of healthcare professionals, hopefully if you're, if you're in a good situation with having some, um, some access to great care, it is all types of diabetes are difficult. And this is something that, um, that I have kind of really taken to heart in my career and learned very closely with my first firsthand experience with type one diabetes, that it is any type of diabetes is definitely a mammoth undertaking. And it's not something that we choose no matter what type you have. So it's super important to me to be able to, um, you know, kind of further our discourse on different types of diabetes and make sure that we are representing everyone in everyone's uh, own, I don't want to call everyone's uh, experience with diabetes a struggle, but personally, having type 1 as a chronic illness, um, as an autoimmune disease, is definitely a a struggle. And I talk about it all the time on my podcast, which is not affiliated with prevention, but um, all about type 1 diabetes on Pancreas Pals, which is the podcast. So I have really doubled down in my career now that I'm deputy editor at Prevention, and I have that podcast on discussing all things diabetes and type 1 diabetes. Um, but I actually had a great opportunity to write a very in-depth piece, which I'm so excited to discuss with you, about, uh, you know, is diabetes something that can be cured? Is it reversible? And this is, you know, this is something that's super important that we discuss. So I think I jumped ahead a little bit, but I'm just excited. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm excited about this too. I know our audience will be. And I think your perspective is an interesting one. And so your enthusiasm your enthusiasm for it is really um, appreciated and, and, and valued because you mentioned the fact that you, you had this diagnosis at a, at a young age, at, at age 20. Many in our audience are, are older and they uh, might have experienced diabetes in in a, a completely different manner than than the one that that you've had experience with, and so I wonder if you talk a little bit about some of the myths surrounding uh, diabetes, and because they may have changed some of those myths over time. But as a younger person, you may have learned different things than our audience, and I think that that perspective again, I think that's going to be a really interesting one for our audience. For sure. So. There are a couple of main types of diabetes, if you will. There is type 1, which is what I have, which is an autoimmune disease, which is in the past been thought to typically be diagnosed when someone is younger. Um, I, I can't give you the exact uh, criteria and exact um, you know, age range of typical diagnoses, but we're seeing now especially uh, that people are having more access to testing, that people are actually being diagnosed at any age since it is an autoimmune disorder. So that means my body is no longer producing um, its own insulin. So I need added added insulin, which I use an insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor, which measures my subcutaneous glucose, which is the blood sugars, if you will, but it's not from the blood. So the glucose between the layers of skin through a continuous device that I wear on me 24-7, I change it every 10 days. Um, super privileged to have access to these, this amazing technology. But 
I have type 1, and a lot of people are diagnosed younger with type 1, but that doesn't mean just because you're diagnosed when you're younger that it goes away when you're older. So there are still a ton of people of all ages with type 1 diabetes. There is another very, very more prevalent type of diabetes, which I'm sure everyone or most everyone is aware of called type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And that tends to have to do more with an insulin resistance in the body's um, kind of, for lack of a better way to explain it, uh, and again, take this with a grain of salt, I am not a healthcare professional. This is not medical advice. This is not me reading off of a script. So mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. I mess anything yeah. up, please give me some no, grace here. No, you're doing great. Um, you're doing great. This is great. <laughs> thanks. So type 2 diabetes usually has to do more with insulin resistance, which means either that your body is not making the most of the insulin it is producing, or it could be a combination of things where your body isn't producing as much insulin, but you still are producing insulin. So when we think of insulin and we think of its purpose in the body, it's to help, you know, create energy and metabolize those carbohydrates that you're getting from food, but, you know, you don't just... You don't just produce glucose from having, or you don't just get blood sugar spikes from eating certain types of foods. You can get blood sugar spikes from stress, from um, if you're someone who has a period for monthly cycles, from illness, from anything, really. It's kind of, that was my biggest eye-opening experience is learning that blood sugar fluctuations come from so much more than just your diet. But at the end of the day, your diet in most cases is not going to send you into prediabetes alone. It's going to be genetic factors. It's mm -hmm. going to be a whole bunch of other indicators in um, pre-existing, if you will, lifestyle uh, ways like beyond diet and exercise. It's going to be the whole picture and it's going to be heavily genetic. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things to point to is that Halle Berry is a type 2 diabetic. When you think of Halle Berry, you are thinking of this amazing, gorgeous, Bond woman. She was a Bond girl back in the day. And if you're thinking of the same mindset of morbidly obese or thinking of type 2 diabetes, that's just not the case for, for a lot of people. And I think that that's kind of dangerous that we're just telling people to lose weight when in reality, it's a holistic approach to lifestyle and mm -hmm. it's, you know, genetics and all these other things. But I feel like I went way out of my way to go on a tangent there. So <laughs> apologies. No, no. Um, well, you reference Halle Berry and I can only imagine that somebody like Halle Berry is an exercise person. I am. We're all hearing an awful lot more about exercise these days. And you, you made a reference to exercise in this process. Is that, and, and because it's so heavily skewed to be being a genetic, um, you know, disease, will exercise matter? I, I, I my gut says yes, uh, excuse the pun, but I do think that that's, that's <laughs> probably accurate. Yes. So, yes, and I think that um, my favorite way to view this is I think it might surprise you in why exercise matters. Mm. Um, exercise, I think when most people think of exercising, it can be as a means to lose weight. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about diabetes, any type of diabetes, um, exercise actually helps with insulin resistance. Okay. So, which, you know, a big factor of that is also reducing weight can also um, positively impact insulin resistance. So insulin resistance is when it's just that it's when your body is resistant to insulin, whether that's the insulin you're producing, if you're pre-diabetic or type two, or it's the insulin you're putting into your body as 
create type 1 diabetic or maybe a type 2 that is on um, supplemental insulin. Mm. So, and by that, I mean insulin injections. Mm. So, by exercising, you are, you know, making your heart pump more. You are making that blood flow. And it actually does aid with making, you know, the, the insulin that's in your body a little more potent. Mm-hmm. So, it helps with insulin resistance. Yeah. Um, and a factor of that could be, you know, weight loss, which is what most doctors turn to, which is not always a bad thing. I feel like I'm vilifying it. You know, I think everyone should try and lead their healthiest life. Sure. But I do think it's important to to differentiate the reasons why, um, why we're telling people to watch their diet and exercise. And it's not always just because, you know, we want to lose weight. It's because it has these other benefits benefits to it, which it would be to help mitigate insulin resistance, because the more you're exercising and looking at, um, you know, including whole grains and nutritious aspects to your diet, the less insulin resistance you're hopefully going to see and the less, you know, blood sugar spikes and, you know, highs and lows that come along with, with managing any type of diabetes can really the less that will affect your body in the long haul. Mm-hmm. So after your research and after writing the article, the article will be appearing in the November in- issue of Prevention. What are you doing differently? Have Have you uncovered some things that have made your life uh, different now in, in dealing with your own uh, diabetes? That's a really good question. Um, so I feel that my chronic illness has its own seasons. And I've felt Mm. this way for a very long time, you know, since my initial diagnosis. And I think that I'm viewing the positive impact of exercise with insulin resistance. I'm taking a closer look at it now Mm -hmm. after the story. But um, I'm also, I think, giving myself more grace when it comes to diet too. I think the more research that I've done, the more everything is, you know, saying cut, cut out sugar, cut out, you know, carbs, cut out fats, cut out all this, these things. But my best blood sugar days are days. And again, this is personal. I, I'm not a doctor. I can't speak to everyone, but as someone on supplemental insulin with an insulin pump who has access to continued blood sugar readings through my continuous glucose monitor, that's mm-hmm. the CGM for for those that know the lingo, mm. um, I'm able to look at the real-time results of what I'm, my physical activity is and mm-hmm. what I'm eating. And I'm able to see how these things are really, you know, adding up to this bigger equation that is a better A1C, which is the um, A1C is a measurement that doctors use. It's a test that kind of measures two to three months blood glucose average through either a finger prick or a blood, like a general blood test. But also, I think one of the biggest things I've learned from from this whole reporting process is that there are still so many prevalent misconceptions about prediabetes and type 2 diabetes that make me honestly kind of sad. Like I I feel like there's a lot of blame being placed a lot of blame being placed on people that are, you know, doing the best they can. That is enough. It's just not what their body chemistry is is going to it's not going to yield the results that doctors are telling them it should because that's just not how their bodies work. 
So that is, um, that's something that I feel like I really learned from this on the whole is to, to be less judgy of everyone around you. And it doesn't matter how hard you try. Sometimes you need that extra medication. Sometimes you need to get a second opinion because the first doctor made you feel bad. You know, sometimes you need to, to take the latest studies with a grain of salt because ultimately how you feel in your body and the, the numbers that you are getting for your blood sugars and, and making sure that you're leading kind of this general overall healthier, more nutritious and exercise-packed life is going to lead to a longer and more well-lived life. So helpful. Emily Goldman's been our guest today. Emily Goldman is the deputy editor at Prevention Magazine. She writes about health and wellness and all things related to prevention. We appreciate this. I just want to encourage our audience to check out Emily Goldman's November article. Check out her podcast titled Pancreas Pals. We'll put we'll put links so that our audience can find out more information about Emily and all of her work, including this most recent article in Prevention Magazine. Emily, thanks for your time. Please come back and talk to us. I know our audience is going to want to hear more about this subject. And certainly as your journey continues, we'd, we'd love to learn more. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week on the Not Old Better Show, Prevention Magazine Healthy Living Interview Series on radio and podcast. To find out more about all of today's stories or to view our extensive back catalog of previous shows, simply visit notold-better.com. Join us again next time as we deep dive into some of the most fascinating real-life stories from across the world, all focused on this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Let's talk about better, the Not Old Better Show. My thanks to Prevention Magazine's Editor-in-Chief, Sarah Smith. My thanks to Emily Goldman, who is the Deputy Editor at Prevention. Thank you. Emily and Sarah for your individual insights. And thank you, our audience, for tuning in. Remember, knowledge is power, and it's never too late to live your best life. The Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Health and Wellness Interview Series. Check it out next month, and please sign up for Prevention Magazine's virtual run. Everything will be in our show notes today. Be well, be safe, and let's talk about better the Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Health and Wellness Interview Series. Until next time, stay informed and stay healthy. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next month.